Alistair Cook, then the Washington correspondent of the Manchester Guardian, described as an atmosphere something very like a 17th century religious war. When the outside pressure to swallow whole the Hiss story or the Chambers story, and to join one or other of the entailed crusades, was almost irresistible. In a generation on trial, 1950, the best and the only reasonably objective contemporary account of the Hiss case, Cook also predicted that the affair would offer for some time to come, and perhaps forever, as many puzzles as the celebrated Wallace case, the Liverpool chess player, not the Iowa politician. William Wallace, a Liverpool insurance agent and amateur chess player, was convicted of bludgeoning his wife, Julia, to death in a case as famous in the 1930s as the O.J. Simpson case would become sixty years later. The verdict was overturned on appeal, but the real killer, if indeed Wallace was innocent, was never found. The other Wallace, Iowa-born Henry, was FDR's vice president from 1940 to 1944 and the 1948 Progressive Party presidential candidate. When I told my 86-year-old mother that I was writing a book about changing public perceptions of the Hiss case, she sent me an email asking in a bewildered tone, who cares about that anymore? When I explained to her that a great many intellectuals and political activists still cared deeply, and that I had just attended a conference at New York University of several hundred people who continue to believe that Hiss was framed by a right-wing conspiracy, she replied shrewdly, I'll bet there weren't too many people under seventy at that conference. She advised me that any book about Hiss would have to tell people in their thirties, forties, and fifties why, with the Soviet Union long gone and stateless terrorism the major threat to American security, they should care about this old chapter in the Cold War. The relatively swift, as imperial epochs go, collapse of Soviet communism should logically have taken nearly all of the heat out of the emblematic Cold War controversies, including the Hiss case and the executions of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Hiss, in particular, seems at first glance to have been an unlikely candidate for the leading role in a long-term cause celeb. Unlike the Rosenbergs, he was charged not with spying, but only with perjury. His penalty was not death, but forty-four months in a federal prison. Most of his life after jail, especially after 1970, was spent in relatively comfortable circumstances, which included the restoration of his federal pension and his right to practice law. Numerous speaking engagements, and the undying loyalty of many who continued to believe that he had been framed, and was a victim of Cold War hysteria and right-wing hostility toward the New Deal. The sequence of the events in the case, unlike the political interpretation, is fairly straightforward. In the summer of 1948, Chambers, an editor at Time magazine and a former member of the American Communist Party, who had become a rabid anti-communist, took the stand before the House Committee on Un-American Activities Committee, HUAC, to tell a story about Alger Hiss, a former rising star in the State Department, who was by then the president of the prestigious Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. Although the acronym for the House Committee should technically be HCUA, I bow to the euphony of HUAC, which has been used in most newspapers, magazines, and books for the past sixty years.
The story Chambers told was that he and Hiss had been friends and fellow communists in the 1930s, that Hiss was, in fact, his best friend in the party. At first, Chambers denied that he and Hiss had engaged in espionage, but a few months later, after the statute of limitations on espionage had expired, he led Huwak investigators to the microfilm concealed in the famous hollowed-out pumpkin on his Maryland farm. "'What is this, Dick Tracy?' asked one of the FBI investigators, who bemusedly watched Chambers fumble around in the dark before he found the right pumpkin. Hiss, who had at first denied knowing Chambers at all, admitted that he had known him under another name but denied having been a member of the Communist Party or having handed over any government documents. Hiss's most aggressive questioner at the Huac hearings was Nixon, a previously obscure young congressman from California. Nixon, who for some time had been promising his wife Pat a second honeymoon or at least a vacation,